When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. John Wertheim here. It's this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. Hope everybody is well, safe, sane. If possible, you are home. Uh, this week, we have Joe Poznanski as our guest. It's a terrific conversation. Joe is one of America's finest sports writers, finest writers, I would say, period. He's a longtime friend, longtime colleague at Sports Illustrated. He now writes for The Athletic. He has his own blog. He does the podcast. He is also the author of a recent biography of Harry Houdini. I urge you to pick up, but Beyond all that, Joe is a huge tennis fan, really knows his stuff, a real connoisseur. He also is uh, admittedly, by his admission, partial to Novak Djokovic, which uh, informs his writing. If you have a chance, read his dispatch, his recap of the 2019 uh, Wimbledon final, and that comes through. So this is a great conversation. Joe recently did a piece for The Athletic ranking the top 100 baseball players of all time. So we talk about what goes into these inter-era comparisons that we all like so much, what makes them fun, what makes them problematic. We talk about the Hall of Fame. We talk about comparing eras. We talk about his backhand. Uh, just a good conversation with a good guy. So uh, here's here's Joe. Part of what inspired this, I, I, I always forget, you know, I think like most people, I associate you first and foremost with baseball, but I, I always forget you are uh, you're a hardcore tennis guy as well. I'm uh, a hardcore tennis guy. Yeah, I, I, uh, I play... I write, uh, I think about it all the time. I've spent, I would imagine, I don't want to put a percentage on it, but if I had to, 24% of my time in isolation watching old YouTube tennis videos, I think. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, pretty much tennis all the time. That's, uh, by my math, that's about six hours. What, what's the best, what's the best uh, give us some highlights. Well, what I what I tended to do is just go down rabbit holes. So I had like this uh, week or two period where I was just watching old Yvonne Lendl uh, tennis. I had a, a McEnroe, of course, like everybody had a McEnroe uh, stretch of time where I was watching all sorts of old McEnroe uh, videos. I had a Steffi Graf uh, period where I was watching old Steffi. So I, I don't know why... I started going down. I, I, I started thinking, you know, I write so much and, you know, you write way more about it than I do, but I write quite a bit about, you know, the, the greatest ever and, and uh, you know, focusing on the big three that, you know, that play today. And I, I just kind of wanted to go back and look at some of these old players and, and uh, you know, that I remember from when I was a kid, but 
But, you know, just see how different the game was then and how, you know, try to imagine, even even somebody as recently as, as Sampras or Agassi playing in today's game. And, and I have to tell you, the more tennis I watch, the harder it is to imagine those people in today's game. And that's because of what? I guess I guess because of the equipment, but it just it was just they just played. I mean, Sampras would serve in volley first, second serve. You know, I mean, it, it, he just was constantly coming in, and and you just it's very difficult to imagine him serving volleying. Uh, you know, uh, Rafael Nadal <laughs> right. or or uh, or well, I mean, really just about anybody. I mean, you, you look at a guy like Del Potro, you know, trying to serve in volley to his forehand would be, you know, suicide. Uh, you know, but I, I just, I, I think about how different the game was because of the equipment. So it's very difficult. I, I don't know what John McEnroe would do in today's game. I mean, I assume he would adjust and, and all of that, but, but I just, you know, I'm trying to think of him serving and volleying to Djokovic and, and just, absolutely just watching the ball go by him every single time i mean it's just it's just a different game i'm uh no it's i mean to me i so i should back up and say you know some of the reasons i'm glad glad we're able to do this for a variety of reasons um a you're among the titans of this profession b you are i like that your tennis bonafides are coming out and your fondness but also you just got done ranking 100 baseball players. So this, this, this exercise of inter-era comparisons and accounting for things like equipment and training is fresh on your mind. And you, I, I don't want to spoil it, but you ended up with uh, your number one player was not someone the majority of your readers will have ever seen play. Um, That's right. I don't yeah. know. I mean, b- b- baseball is not tennis, but how do you go about this exercise? What do you think is the value of this exercise? As we all get enticed by this goat conversation, which of course will never yield a satisfactory answer to anyone. Give us some tips most fundamentally on how to approach this. Well, it's, it's funny because I have thought long and hard about doing a, a hundred greatest tennis players thing, just because I, I love the sport so much. But to me, I, if I did it, I would have to put men and women together and, and it would just be a, it'd be a whole different kind of exercise. You wouldn't really, you'd, you'd almost be talking about the impact on the sport and that kind of thing much more than in baseball, where for some reason in baseball, people just want to believe that the game hasn't really changed and the players haven't really changed. And so you could take, Cy Young or Walter Johnson out of out of dead ball and 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 they could come in and and you know pitch to Albert Pujols or or Mike Trout. I mean it's it's just different because I think specifically of tennis and I think specifically of of you know Bill Tilden or or you know uh, you know somebody of that era who was dominant. I mean the, you you can't be more dominant than Tilden was in his time, and yet nobody would really even try to think of of him facing you know Roger Federer it just it's just the sport has changed so much so I think it's more of a challenge in tennis not necessarily because the sport has changed more than baseball because baseball has changed much 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 more than people want to acknowledge it's it's the fact that people have this sort of dream about tennis about, about baseball that it's that it's timeless and it right. stays the same. While everybody in tennis knows that the equipment that you know Roger Federer was using at the beginning of his career is is significantly different than the than the rackets and 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 uh, training and things that he's doing at the end of his career. I mean, the game just changes that rapidly. 
what about the uh, – how much do you put into the physique of the players? I, I would say when, when Tracy Austin won the U.S. Open, I think she weighed 89 pounds. Um, <laughs> most players, uh, male, male and female, that's about one leg. Um, yeah, yeah. How do, we, uh, how do we account for that? Well, yeah, you, you have to, and it's really hard to account. I, I remember – uh, and I did go back and watch the, the I, I think it was the Tracy Austin, uh, uh, Chris Everett. It was U.S. Open final, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember watching a U.S. Open final that that uh, Chris Everett was uh, broadcasting, and they showed uh, a little bit of that match. Like they just like said, "Oh, hey, Chrissy, let's go back and watch when you were playing." And they showed a little match, and she said the funniest thing. She's like, wow, we really weren't hitting it very hard, were we? I mean, it was <laughs> it was like watching Pong, you know? It was just like, bing, bing. It was so slow. You can't take 89-pound Chris Everett uh, or, or, or Tracy Austin. I mean, Chris was a little bit, uh, you know, more physical. But you can't take those those players out and then – have them, you know, transform them and, and have them play Serena. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even look, you know, like, like something that could happen. Obviously, if Tracy Austin was playing in today's game, her genius for the game doesn't change. So Tracy Austin plays today. She's a different player. She trains differently. Right. Uh, she hits the ball way harder. She's using the equipment. So, so I think it's harder to do that, but you're right. I mean, I think the biggest difference with, when, one of my favorite things to do in general is just watch Djokovic highlights, you know, just watch him. That's, that's your you know, guy. We, we need to, we need to acknowledge that, right? You're just he is my, fa- he All is right. my favorite. Okay. He is, he is my guy. Uh, love and look, but, but it's so fun that, and I think that's part of the thing that I love about tennis is I love Nadal and I love Federer. I, I don't, dislike anybody in the in the top players i mean i think it was different when it was connors and McEnroe and boring you you know you picked the favorite you rooted against the others i mean what's to root against any of those three i mean they're and and throw andy murray in there and throw varinka in there they're all joyous in so many ways but but Djokovic is my guy and and the thing that i love watching Djokovic is how much court he covers it's 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 not comparable. It's just, it's, you know, the, Yvonne Lendl was the, was the fittest player of his day and, and got to a lot of balls. And, you know, and McEnroe was obviously physically very gifted, even if he didn't necessarily work out too hard. And Agassiz was the same way, you know, physically gifted, didn't work out that hard necessarily. I mean, they, they couldn't get to balls that this guy can get to. I mean, it's, it's just a different, it's a different thing. You have to hit however many winners you have to hit to beat Djokovic. Those guys, certainly with the equipment they were using, they never could have gotten him off the court, ever. I, there's just there's no possibility for hitting the ball at a good enough angle or hard enough to, to, to beat Djokovic with, without, you know, modern equipment and, and being physically, you know, dominant the way the players are today. I mean, he, it's, just a different, it's just a different level, I think. What's your, what's your definition of great? I mean, I, I feel like the, the, I mean, it's part of the great fun of this, but part of the fundamental problem of this whole discussion, we haven't even agreed on a definition and we have this, to me, this sort of hollow, ill-fitting, frustrating word of greatest. How, how do you even, uh, how do you define that? It's a great, it's a great point, John. I, you know, when you, when you talk about it, what, what do people end up doing? They end up talking about who won the most grand slams, right? I mean, it just, it just comes down to some sort of simple number, you know, and I think it's that way in golf too with Tiger, 
you know, Tiger has to pass Jack Nicklaus on most majors to be considered the greatest. But but even Jack Nicklaus will tell you he wasn't as good a player as Tiger Woods in his prime. So so what is greatest? I mean, I think you look at those three. I mean, I you know, and I think the conversation really does. You have to start with those three just because of the of the length of time that they were so great, and and you know, and the fact the game is so different now. And it's not to knock Rod Laver or Bjorn Borg or or any of those guys. It's just different. And I think when you start with those three, how do you even you know how do you even define greatness among them? I mean. There's no question that Rafael Nadal is the greatest Clayport player who's ever lived. I mean, it's like his his surface is it's he owns it. He owns that. So so how are you going to say anybody else is the greatest player when if you played him on clay, Nadal would would be the the favorite and would would likely win. I mean, it's it's so that's different. But then did anybody really change sort of the, the the level of the game the way Federer did? I mean, he he came along at a time where where number one was was being passed around from from player to player, and and it was you know such a different uh, a different you know everybody was sort of trying to figure out after Sampras and Agassi what was next, and right. and then this guy's you know the, the one of the two or three best players and and often the best players for the next 20 years i mean it's it's lunacy and then you know my feelings about djokovic i i just think he's he's taken it one more level up so yeah you you define greatness basically by the the way i look at it is sort of the same way i looked at the baseball 100 and the way people uh have have thought about that you pick the player that you want to be the greatest, and then you just define it around him. That's that's how you do it. <laughs> you just build your argument backwards. No, but exactly. that's, I mean, I feel like that's what people do with, you know, sh- should we care about personal disposition? And the Federer fans say, yes, absolutely, credit to the sport. Look at Roger's philanthropy, and he's a gentleman, and he doesn't get fined. Um, I mean, I feel like these goalposts move. But let me – I mean, I actually <laughs> – you know what? Let's, let's stay on that. You, you mentioned Bill Tilden, who um, – you know, perhaps the best best player of the first half of the 20th century. Also, there were you know corrupting minors, morals charges. Sure. Do, sure. do we care about uh, constitution and disposition and these mushy sort of good good guy and good woman uh, credit to the game citizenship award type categories? Well, well, do we care? I mean, I guess it depends on what you're trying you to 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 define right i mean that's what that sort of gets back to your question what is greatness i mean if somebody said to me look nobody has done more for the sport than roger federer right if somebody says to me that he he took a sport that was sort of scattered about and 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 not only played at, at you know a level that that uh, that had never been seen before, not only you know lasted longer than anybody else, but also his philanthropy and also the, his credit to the sport. He 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 brought a, a class to, to tennis that that is uh, you know a huge part of of the sport's popularity in the world today. I couldn't argue with that. I couldn't argue with that. But I could I could say, well, look. Rafael Nadal has brought incredible class to the sport too, and and is and is just a you know is just a model of 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 sportsmanship and 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 comportment and and you know has brought a hunger and and energy to the game that 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 is is completely unique. And so you, then you make that argument. Then then you know then you have my guy and and yeah he's you know he's feisty and he he's he's not always uh he's not always uh, held it together on the court and all those sorts of things but you look at Djokovic 
look at that story. Look at that guy where he came from and, and, and how he developed into, into this extraordinary player. And then walking into a, a world of tennis that seemed closed. I mean, it, you know, that was, it was Federer and Nadal and people still, you know, many people still wanted to be Federer and Nadal. And, and he came in and, and, and absolutely bullied his way, not only to their level, but to, to the next level. And, and so you know, it's, I, I don't know how you do it. I think everybody's going to do it their own way. I think, uh, I love Serena. I, I think Serena has done more for, for tennis. Well, you know, I think it's, it's at the level of Federer, what she's done for tennis. Uh, you know, but there, Serena's not always been easy and, 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 you know, she certainly has had her moments on the court. And I, I for me, that doesn't, influence how I feel about their greatness. I, I think that uh, it's a little similar in, in that way to baseball that I look, when I looked at the baseball 100, you know, yeah, I, I took into account what they were like off the court and off the field and, and wrote about all of that. But, you know, the fact that Babe Ruth was, you know, kind of a, kind of a, well, not kind of, it was a, he was a womanizing drunk. Uh, the fact Ty Cobb was a, was a really difficult character yeah, it, it impacts how you feel about them, but it doesn't change their place in the game and their role in, in, in building baseball. I, I feel like this, this pace of change is something that we, you know, we talk about pace of play, but this pace of change, you may, we talk about dead ball pitchers pitching to Mike Trout, but nobody watches baseball from the 80s and says, boy, it's absurd to think that yeah. they would ever yeah. be able to you know, hit Max Scherzer. Um, it's really remarkable to think about, you know, even I, I can't believe I'm even saying, but you know, the, the Steffi Graf slice to the middle of the yeah. floor and what Serena would do with that. I, I it, it sounds almost sacrilegious to say this, but, um, do you think it's more than equipment? I mean, what do you, have you thought about why it is that we look at this and laugh? Yeah, no, I have. I, I, and I think you're hundred percent right. Steffi Groff's slice was exactly what, what, what struck me. I mean, it was, it was definitely a penetrating slice and for the time and for the equipment people were using, it was, it was lethal, right? I mean, it was absolutely lethal. Um, she moved better than anybody on the court and, and it was, you know, then, and, and of course had that dominant forehand and, and, and serve and, and was, you know, was just a, a, a great, great player for that equipment in that time. But yeah, you can't, you can't hit backhand slices every time in today's game. You can't, right. I mean, you, you just see the, the power, not, I mean, you know, you talk about Serena at the very top of the game, but all of these young players just come out crushing the ball. They just absolutely power on both sides. I mean, and most of them, it feels like, especially when they're, when they're younger, um, it's the backhand that is that is the stronger wing for for some of these for some of these terrific young players. And you're telling me you're going to go backhand to backhand with 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 the players today with with a slice like that? I, you're just not. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't. And 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 I should say, if Steffi Graf was playing today, I don't think she would hit that slice. I think she would just be different. So, do I think it's the equipment? I think the equipment influenced the game in so many more ways than we than I at least um, talk about or think about. I mean, it influenced the game in that you, you can see how much slower the ball is moving. It influenced the game that how different movement was because you just didn't have to chase down, you know, the, the, the sorts of, of power that, that you do today. 
but I think it also influenced the game in in simply the the way you played, the way you played with that equipment. The, the, it's funny because what if we reversed it? What if we took it backward? Let's put Rafael Nadal in the day of wood rackets. He can't hit these shots. You know, he, I mean, he's not going to hit these these incredible top spin shots from both wings with a with a wood racket. He'd break right. the racket. Yeah, he'd break like, his head, yeah. Right? He'd break his wrist, I mean, I, yeah. And, and his wrist, exactly. I, I mean, I, part of me has always won. I think you and I have actually talked about this in the past, that I wish they would play one wood racket tournament a year. Yeah, like, right. like, Let's see. I, yeah, exactly. It would be so fun to see what these guys would do. I still think the best would be the best, right, but they, right. their style would be so different. So, so I think that equipment is the big uh, factor. But I also think that, that you know, when, when people talk about evolution of any sport, I think once people see, like in basketball, Steph Curry comes out and is making, you know, 40-foot shots r- routinely, right? 35, 40-foot sure. shots. And then a whole next generation comes and they can all make 40-foot shots because <laughs> he, he invented that. He, he invented that in their minds, in their imaginations. And so I think that, you know, when, when you see a Pete Sampras, that changes the way people serve. And you see an Andre Agassi and that changes the way people return. Uh, then you see Federer and Nadal and, and, and Djokovic. And, you know, the, the new players come along, they have to top this level so i think i think some of the some of it is 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 racket but i think some of it is just the years progressing you, you want my data free completely uh intuitive uh theory of this t- i mean I, I think i think it's also hard to overlook the role of money and that serena williams has never had to you know in the last 20 years she's not had to wait for a rental car and she hasn't had to go <laughs> through security at the airport and if she gains two pounds she can hire a nutritionist and the top players have not only have access to so many career-enhancing services that Rod Labor and even Pete Sampras didn't, I think they also are able to avoid some of the drags. You know, it's a, it's a big difference when you can pick your own spots and when you finally have to get from Indian Wells to Miami, you take your Gulf Stream that leaves when you want to leave. I, I think that uh, the you know, abstract wealth of oligarchs of the top, you know, select group of a half dozen players is, is a big role in their, uh, in their longevity. And with longevity comes more and more numbers, but that, that is just a pet, pet theory. I love that theory. And, and I would tend to agree with it. I, I think that, that you look at different, um, you know, I think about Martina, you know, I mean, I, I think that Martina had her case, you know, Steffi came along, but I think Martina had her case while she was playing as the greatest player ever, right? right. And, and, and still, you can make that argument, you know, when comparing apples to apples and all that. Um, but what a different world. she! I mean, she played like team tennis. I, I remember <laughs> exactly. her playing in Cleveland for money. Like right. she, needed, she needed the money. So she's playing like, in, in, you know, at the Cleveland uh, – you know, outdoor courts, you know, somewhere just to, 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 uh, right. to get by. So, yeah, I think it's a completely different time. And I think your, the point on specifically to longevity is huge. I mean, right, it, the, the, whole, the whole game, the whole notion of the game has changed, right? We, we, we used to think 32 was when it ended, you know? Like, oh, boy. Yeah, 32, somebody... you're bridging over to the CEO. You know, a couple more years and you can right. start to make money on the seniors tour. Exactly. And now, you know, you're like, oh, 
Djokovic is only 32. He has, what, six more years? Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's, it's just a different thing. It exactly. really is different. What, you know, here's another baseball one for you. Do, do you vote for Hall of Fame? I do. Um, I, I'm not sure how uh, you're, you're, you're aware of some of the, the controversy with tennis's Hall of Fame, which I, I don't think is particularly controversial. But um, can you give people a sense of the standards, baseball versus tennis? Yeah, well, tennis, and, and I, I think that when, you, when you're talking about some of the controversy, you're talking about some of the changes, right? I mean, are they talking no, about doing I, I think it's more just the threshold. I mean, in tennis, it's gotten to the point where basically you have a pretty good career, you stay out of prison, you win a major, <laughs> and you're in the conversation. I mean, Michael yeah. Schick might be a, he's a lovely guy, but, I mean, to me, Michael Schick is a, is a 280 hitter. Right. Um, great, great career. You don't begrudge the guy anything, but, um, I I would say the standards in tennis are considerably lower than other sports, but I wonder as someone who votes for baseball and you've seen sort of what the threshold is for that sport, if you, uh, is one preferable to the other big 10, small 10 where, where do you stand on all this? Well, I'm a big tent baseball guy, but 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 here's what I think is different about tennis, and this is this is also true about golf, by the way, uh, because this has also been a big thing in golf. Is Fred Couples? Is Fred Couples really a Hall of Famer? He won one major and whatever, and but then you know he's if he's a major, then is Davis Love a Hall of Famer? You know, and so that's the whole tennis thing, and I think golf. I mean, uh, I think that's the whole golf thing, and I think tennis. It's it's the the problem with tennis in the Hall of Fame is the same problem. Uh, that golf has compared to baseball, which is every year in baseball, you would expect there to be 10 to 15 players who are active players who are, are going to go to the Hall of Fame someday. That's just sort of how the thing plays out. I mean, it's not always true. Sometimes there are more. Uh, but, you know, 10 to 15 players or so, um, right? simply because of the way the years are going on. Well, Nobody thinks there are 10 or 15 tennis players right now playing who belong who are going to go to the Hall of Fame or should go to the Hall of Fame, especially uh, on the men's side where, oh, where you know, there are three, three guys have dominated the sport like, like never before. Um, but yeah, you have to keep going, right? You have to – you can't just, like, stop putting people – You and I, I remember I was saying to somebody, like, oh, it would really be cool if, if Federer and Nadal would go into the Hall of Fame together. And and the, the the person who runs the Hall of Fame was saying to me, "No, you yeah, never right, do right, that right, ever. Never. I mean, you, right, that, that's that's right. you got to spread that out. You can't just you can't waste it in one year. And right. and you know, tennis does put in a few people each year, and and you just run out pretty quickly when you do that. I mean, it's it's I think it's hard. I I would prefer like a a, a tight tennis Hall of Fame where you're not." Just putting anybody who's who's uh, number one in the world or or has won you know a major or or you know I mean I would prefer it being like this this higher level but you know I have a I have a really good friend here who we is a tennis pro and we just talk tennis all the time and and I'll just come up and he'll he'll just say something like all right Stan Wawrinka Hall of Famer and <laughs> I'm like by the standards of today oh, it's no, his it's first ballot first I mean, ballot exactly. Um, yeah. You you talk about better Nadal. I'm I'm worried about this year's Hall of Fame class: Serena Williams and Yelena Yankovic. And you sort of have these two players who have wildly different resumes, both ending up in the same place. Um, yeah. Let me uh, in in our few minutes remaining. Let, let me ask you a magic question. Um, I just you, you obviously you you wrote a, a book about Houdini that I actually just saw. I just saw reviewed in the New Yorker like last week. 
Yeah, maybe maybe last month. Cool. I don't know. I'm behind on my New Yorkers, but not as far as they are behind on their books. Um, <laughs> a, I, I did not know you were a magic guy. And B, inevitably, ma- magic is a theme that comes up a lot in tennis. And I wondered if um, it's a too big a stretch to equate the two. But first and foremost, how did you get into Houdini? Well, getting into Houdini was was very. I do like magic. I mean, I always have. And my my dad was, uh, you know, used to perform not perform. He would do magic tricks for me when I was when I was young, and 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 always liked it. Uh, and for Houdini, it was it was not specifically magic, and it was not specifically Houdini. I wanted to do a story about wonder. And and how uh, you know how we've sort of lost it a little bit in in the world today, right. and how this guy still you know still creates it, and and people still feel wonder about a guy who performed a hundred years ago, and how did that happen? What did he do? What 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 you know real magic did this guy have that that he's still on everybody, everybody knows, you know, you could go to a, a second grade class and say Houdini and they know exactly who you're talking about. And, and there's just really very, very few people from a hundred years ago that, that that's true of, you know? And, and so that was sort of the focus for me, but, but it is interesting because I have, I have thought a lot about it in sports and particularly in, in tennis. I think everybody uh, I know in the tennis uh, world loved the uh, David Foster Wallace piece on on Federer, right? right? The right. Federer, what was it, Federer? Religious and, experience, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The experience, yeah. So religious experience of Federer, and I think it was because he was really writing about magic. He was writing about, you know, he was a, he was a tennis player himself uh, and played at a pretty high level. But even for a guy like him, watching Federer do some of the absurd things that he does on the court and there are very few people because because one of the other things that i've done uh, while in isolation is is like just just type in greatest tennis shots into (laughs) youtube and then just watch and he's got a huge bulk of them although i will say for my guy uh djokovic is a whole bunch of them too really i think djokovic sometimes uh, is kind of gets called mechanical or, or doesn't he yeah, plays he's a like clinician a right exactly yeah but there's magic in that guy if you see like anytime somebody drop shots him he comes up with the craziest angles and shots and and i mean he's he's, yeah, he's right. got the, the drop the drop shot off the drop shot is one of the great uh oh, one of the yeah. great Djokovic plays yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's really really uh, fun, but but yeah, I think what magic is is when you see something, you go, "How'd he do it? How'd she do it?" That's that to me is is the is the very essence of magic is is that thing that pops into your head and it sort of opens up the world a little bit. And I think like when I see that in football, right? You see a, a running back make a play like that, or I see it in in golf where somebody hits some sort of crazy shot it's 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 cool but because i'm a tennis player uh you know so-called and and because i love the sport so much i don't know that anything moves me the same way that that a a magical tennis shot does i i just seeing seeing somebody run down a ball that you just don't think there's any possibility and then hit a winner off that which is you know the, the federer thing um it's extraordinary. It's just, there's, there's, I think there's nothing like it. It's why 
I think the sport, you know, and worldwide, of course, it's extraordinarily popular. But, uh, I, you know, I think in the U.S., uh, its its popularity is is you know under much discussion. But I just I I can't see how somebody can watch can't watch tennis and just just get that feeling of just ext- what wow what that was absolutely remarkable. I'm going to take this in a crazy direction. You you ready to? Yes. Uh, Somewhat, yes, I I'm, am. John. I'm listening to I'm listening to you describe this, and I'm listening to you talk about sort of wonder and misdirection and capacity for awe. How are you? If if I told you 90 days ago that in the middle of April we're all going to be locked in our homes and financial <laughs> markets were going to be uh, going off a cliff, and we were uncertain there wasn't going to be any sports on TV, and we were uncertain when we were going to go back. How are you experiencing? I, I was going to make this a corona-free podcast, but I'm listening to you describe <laughs> magic, and I'm seeing some some Venn diagram uh, overlap here. If if wonder and capacity for awe has been on your mind lately, how are you experiencing this? Yeah, well, it's uh, didn't anticipate going here, but. No, no. I, well, look, I don't know that I'm experiencing it any, you know, with any more, uh, you know, a sense of understanding than anybody else, right? I mean, this is, we're all in this thing together. I, the thing that, that I find incredible about the time that we're in is, is just that. You know, we've, we've been uh, a country that has been, uh, and I'm not talking politically or anything like that, but from a from a pure pop culture standpoint, we we've we've divided, right? We all watch what we want to watch. We all sure. do what we sure. want to do. It's 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 like you know, it's it's a we there the, the whole thing that used to bring the country together, uh, other than the Super Bowl and and you know maybe a few other award shows or whatever. That it doesn't do that anymore. We just don't we just don't come together uh, in that way because we all can. We can just sit there and watch, you know, old John McEnroe YouTube videos. We don't have to do anything else, right? Um, and one of the thoughts that I have had about this, you know, when you talk about awe, is we're all kind of doing the same thing now. I mean, yeah, we're watching different stuff and we're, you know, we're all, you know, figuring out what, you know, other than Tiger King, I guess everybody's watching. I'm not watching it, but everybody else is. Um, but we're all, we're all in this thing together. Like, we're all, like don't know when we're going to get our next haircut. We all are scared for, for ourselves or for family members or both. And, and we're all in our houses and, and, and uh, trying to figure out how much toilet paper we have left. And I mean, it's, it's, you know, I don't, I'm certainly not naive or, or, you know, I'm not looking at this with any kind of, of rose colored glasses. It's a terrible tragedy what's happening around us. And, and, you know, whether it's, whether it's job losses, whether it's the, you know the pain, or, or whether it's just the the hardcore uh, you know uh, deaths and 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 all of that. I mean, it's that we're going through something that's that's horrible. But at the same time, we are doing this together. Mm-hmm. And even though we're even though we're all in our own homes and we don't see anybody uh, except through Zoom, you know, I've thought a lot about that. I've thought a lot about you know that there are so many other for for me the thing I miss most just in my own personal sort of daily life is tennis. I, I, really? I don't, I've not been out. Well, I mean, it's the one, it's the one bit of exercise I do. It's the one thing that I, you know, and I would try before I, before this all happened, I was going out four or five times a week if I could to, to, to go out and play tennis. And, right. 
and and I haven't played tennis in a month. And and I hear from all of my tennis buddies, and they're all like, you know, hey, can, when are we going to get out on the court again? And and uh, and I just think that we're all experiencing this. So so I I don't know, you know, how you how you bring awe uh, into into this kind of world because it's so uh, daunting. But but I do feel like we are. You know, to not to say anything more about the baseball 100, but you know, I started ranking these baseball players in December, and counted down from 100 to one. And the first, you know, 75, 80 of them uh, were before this all hit. And you know, it was it was definitely uh, you know hugely uh, popular, and and people had a lot of opinions, and it was it was great. But once all this hit. That suddenly, for so many people, um, seemed to take on a whole different meaning, you know, right. because there was no baseball, and there were no sports, and this was sort of one thing that that was still going on. And I'm 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 very humbled by that. I mean, that the 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 notes and letters and emails that I would get from people about it was was very humbling, and and I thought, yeah, I mean, that that sort of gets gets back to the heart of it, which is where I, I just think that there's there's not much. Uh, good we can take from any of this. But one thing that I think that is good is I think that, that we, we are really doing this together. I uh, See, I was going to ask you how your tennis list, would, what that would look like, but I don't want to do that because I want you to do tennis now. <laughs> you could do like 50. Well, I don't know if we need a hunt. I don't know if we need, uh, you know, verses and verse on Bunny Austin. And uh, <laughs> you, you can start, start in about 1940. How do we get you to do tennis, though? I should – well, you, I, I, I was on um, – I was on a podcast not that long ago and, uh, and it was a tennis podcast and I was um, uh, we were talking about tennis and I said, you know, they said, do you have, do you have a dream? Like uh, do you have a, a, a writer's dream? I mean, you, you know, been lucky enough as have, have you, you know, we worked together at sports illustrated. I mean, the greatest, the greatest place in the world and, and, and have, have done so many cool things uh, you know, which is great. And I said, you know what I would love to do is I would love for nobody would ever pay me to do this, but I would love to spend one year uh, doing nothing but tennis, literally no. just doing like literally covering that, tennis. How do we make that happen? I don't, I don't, I don't think that could happen. But but I would love sure to could. do that. My kids are are almost out of the house. My my older one is going to college next year, and my younger one is a freshman. And I'm like, God, just one. I would love to do that where I'm just out writing about tennis and playing tennis and just living a, a tennis life. So that top 50 would be like a perfect way to do that. I, this doesn't, I, I gotta tell you, this, this isn't saying like, I want to win Wimbledon one day. This, this sounds <laughs> utterly doable. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I don't, I don't know that, that, uh, that, that, that uh, world exists that uh, where somebody would do that for me. But, but I will say, uh, if I did a top 50, um, the, the thing that, that would be the hardest part is when to start. And, and you just said it on, on the thing. Because I almost would want to do a top 50 where you don't go before Rod Laver, right? Like, I think that Rod Laver sort of right. creates a whole new but – you, but you don't want to do it just open era because that yeah, leaves exactly. out so right, many great right, stories. Right. So I think you'd almost have to go back to the beginning, wouldn't you? I guess. I mean, it's sort of, I, I feel like in tennis, especially, and well, we, we've, we've talked about this, but I, I feel like tennis is so, it, it ends up uh, 
being very prejudiced against players from past eras. I don't think you would end up with someone who played in the 1960s as, as your winner in tennis, but it, no. and it's fr- from, you know, it's, it's funny because we always say so little in tennis has changed in the last hundred years. The tiebreaker is the great change. That's sort of the company line. And yet right. you can't find me a sport that looks less like it did 20 That's years right. ago. We were sort of, we've talked about this before, but it's funny that tennis is so change resistant and yet it looks utterly different from sort of one generation to the next, never mind uh, the, the sport that was being played 50, 60 years ago. Or well, you know, there's, there's one other part of that, by the way, that we have not talked about that I think we should, because I'm really curious your opinion on this. The surfaces have changed, right? I mean, Wimbledon is not Wimbledon anymore. Wimbledon is not, right. well, or, or it's better Wimbledon. No, you're I mean, right, you're the, right. The rallies are, are amazing now. Right. But there were no rallies then. There were no rallies in the 90s, and there were no, Goran Ivanisevic never hit a second shot. I mean, there was, it was just a completely different surface. And I do wonder, you, you talk about how things have changed. I mean, if, if we had that lightning fast, uh, you know, Wimbledon, I don't know. Would yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's, it's a really good question. Kevin Anderson. Uh, Kevin Anderson, your Wimbledon champion. Um, <laughs> all right, we, we need to do a second one of these. That's, that's my takeaway from all this. Yes, definitely. I'll, I'm always ready. Um, this was great. We will link the top 100. We will link your book. I also want to link the, uh, the Lin-Manuel Miranda piece, which uh, is, is a personal favorite. This was great, though. I, um, I really appreciate this. Oh, Glad absolutely. Thank you. It was fun. It was good fun. Um, all right. Stay safe. Stay home. We're going to see you on the uh, tennis circuit when your daughter goes off to college. I'm ready. I'm ready, man. All right. Thanks to our guest, Joe Posnanski. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. We will have him back. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Jamie Lasanti, who I admit, I, uh, I admit, I miss uh, being across the table from Jamie. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening. We tried to make this a Corona-free podcast and just uh, think about something else for half an hour, and then I had to uh, bring it up there in the end. But uh, anyway, hope you enjoyed that conversation. That was a lot of fun with Joe. We will have a new guest next week. Uh, subscribe, leave a review. It all helps. We have a new Sports Illustrated podcast coming up that I'll tell you about more next week. We will have a new guest next week. You can continue to watch Tennis Channel Live, noon Eastern, every day, where we have a fun whip-around show that Steve Weissman hosts. Uh, Hey, as long as we're plugging. 60 Minutes is on CBS, uh, 7 p.m. every Sunday. And otherwise, hope everybody's well. Hope everyone is, uh, again, staying safe, staying sane. This will be over soon enough, but uh, until then, we'll keep doing our thing. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week. (laughs) 